Well, guys, I am truly pumped uh, for this entire series. I would tell you this is one of those series I've been wanting to preach on uh, for a while on the subject of the Holy Spirit and just been waiting for the right time. And so now is that time. And I knew that this was an important subject. I knew this was something that we needed to talk about and to dive more deeply into. But what I didn't know is some research that I stumbled upon over the last two weeks that made this subject go from important to critical. The Barna Research Institute is one of the most credible institutes that does research on behalf of the church doing different types of polls. And recently they asked the question to American Christians, do you believe the Holy Spirit is real? And to my shock and surprise, that answer came back that 60, 60% of people said no. 60% of people didn't even, not people, Christians didn't even believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And instead, they kind of explained the Holy Spirit away as more of a representation or metaphor of God's power, maybe a representation of his presence, but he wasn't a real person. To which that reminded me of just how critical it is that we take a deeper dive into this subject. And I would tell you that no matter where you are, no matter if you've been following Jesus for a couple decades or this is your first time with us, there is work to be done on the subject of the Holy Spirit. I read something interesting that A.W. Tozer said on the subject. He said, if the Holy Spirit was to be dismissed or removed from the church today, 95% of what most churches do would go on and they wouldn't even miss him. To which that was sad. And then he said, but if you go back to the New Testament church when the church first began, if you were to remove the Holy Spirit from that church, the early church, 95% of what they did would have stopped and everybody would have taken notice. I hope that we're a church that invites the power and the work of the Holy Spirit every single week and every single day into our lives. And again, I would tell you that no matter where you are, there's work to be done. Maybe for some of you, you are underutilizing the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe for others, you're over-spiritualizing the role of the Holy Spirit in your lives. And still others are like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> to which I'd say, I'm glad you're here. There's work to be done for all of us. And it's not lost on me, church. It's not lost on me that even mentioning this subject probably elicits some different emotions. For some people, because I've been doing this long enough to know this to be true, for some people, when I mention that we're gonna be talking about the Holy Spirit, there's a little bit of a sentiment inside of you that's a, that's a little bit worried. And you're like, great, like, where's this going? Because I left a church that did some things and they kind of put it underneath the umbrella of the Holy Spirit and they were kind of forcing these hyper-spiritual things for me to do and said, if I didn't do them, then I wasn't spiritual, maybe wasn't even saved. And so you get a little bit anxious, to which I tell you, that's not what this is going to be. Still others, you're like, it's about time we're preaching on the Holy Spirit, let's go. I'm ready to speak in tongues. I wanna be slain in the Spirit, let's go. I'm gonna run up and down the aisles, which I'd say, settle down. Settle down, because it's not gonna be that either. Even though we're going to talk about the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, that's gonna come next week. So let me kind of unfold this series for you. Today, I wanna talk about primarily the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Next week, we're gonna talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then the third week, we're gonna talk about what it looks like to walk with, and I would even say in the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. So to kick us off today to talk about the primary role, and I wanna keep coming back to that specific word, the primary role of the Holy Spirit, I wanna begin by telling you that throughout the narrative of the scriptures, we see the work of the Holy Spirit. 
You can go to the very beginning of the Bible and see the Holy Spirit, and you can go to the very end of the Bible. Let me give you two examples. In Genesis chapter one, in the very first two verses of the Bible, it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God, now the Hebrew word for spirit here, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, is ruach. The spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Then we jump over to Revelation 22, the very last chapter in the Bible. The spirit and the bride say come. Now the, the Greek word, because the New Testament's written in Greek, the Greek word for spirit is the word pneuma. Both of them have the same root meaning, which I'll talk about in just a second. The spirit and the bride say come, and let the one who hears come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Both these words, ruach and pneuma, have the same root meaning and also mean wind or breath of air. Now, why would the same root meaning be wind in in explanation of the Holy Spirit, to which I'll answer in just a moment, but I would also tell you that it's not uncommon for metaphors to be used throughout the narrative of the scriptures to describe the mysteries of God. What we all need to understand is that With our physical and spiritual minds right now, we are limited in what we can understand about some of the mysteries of God. And so what the writers would do at times, what the writers do do at times in the scriptures, is they will take a physical illustration, a metaphor, that we can understand to help us to, and to use that to explain a spiritual reality. Paul talks about this a little bit when he's writing to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 And he says, what we know now is in part. What we know now is incomplete because we have both a physical and a spiritual mind. But there will be a day when we're in the presence of Jesus that our minds will be fully spiritual and what was incomplete, we will then know fully. Think about some of the metaphors even used for Jesus, right? He's our king. He's our shepherd. He's the gate. He's the sacrificial lamb. He is our everlasting water. And the spirit, the spirit is wind. Now think about that for a moment because I actually believe it's a great metaphor. The wind can be both refreshing, like the spirit. The wind can be both refreshing on a hot summer day as it's blowing into our face. Just kind of experience that for a moment. But it can also be powerful enough to knock down buildings the spirit is like wind, and wind, wind can generate electricity. So much electricity that it can do significant things. But it can also give you peace as you watch it blow across a field of wheat. You see, the spirit of God is like wind in a lot of different ways. And it blows where it pleases. When Jesus is talking to a Pharisee in John's gospel in chapter three, he's explaining, he's trying to explain to a guy named Nicodemus, which is one of the Pharisees, he's trying to explain to Nicodemus what it means to be born again. Right, we all had a physical birth, but he's talking about a spiritual birth and he, and he talks about needing to be born of the spirit, being born again. And the way that he explains it to Nicodemus is, Nicodemus, the wind, it blows where it pleases. In other words, you can't contain it, but you might be able to catch it. 
Now, at some point, this metaphor breaks down, right? We all get this. Every metaphor breaks down at some point. In other words, uh, this metaphor of wind trying to describe who the Holy Spirit is is not going to be able to fully and accurately depict who he is. And if we're not careful, if we take that metaphor too far, we might err on the side of arriving at a conclusion that the Holy Spirit is an it instead of a who. And be sure this morning that the Holy Spirit is a who. Yes, he is a force to be reckoned with, but he's also our friend. Let me show you how Jesus says this in John chapter 16. He says, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, which is another name for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. Everybody say him. That's who? I will send him to you. Jump down to verse 13. Jesus continues, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. This next statement is maybe the most important statement on the subject of the Holy Spirit. He will glorify me, right? When we talk about the primary role, he will glorify me because it is from me. Again, this is Jesus speaking. It is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So in case you missed it, the primary role of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus, both outside of you and inside of you. Let me explain that. You see, before you receive the Holy Spirit, before you give Jesus your life, the Spirit is still in existence. The Spirit is always working. He was hovering the, uh, he was hovering the waters as, as God was putting things into motion. And he's concluding at the very end of the Bible by still inviting people to come and experience the everlasting water. You see, outside of us, the Spirit's number one role is to magnify the life of Jesus. So guess what his primary role is when he comes to live inside of you? To magnify the person of Jesus. The Holy Spirit came to all of us when we received Jesus as leader and Lord. We were given the promised Holy Spirit. Jesus said he wouldn't leave us as orphans. And so if anybody's walking through life right now, feeling like you're alone and isolated, but you have given your life over to Christ, you need to know that his promise to you is that he would never leave you as an orphan, that he was going to send you the promised Holy Spirit, which means you will never be alone. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Take hope in that today. But his primary role is to make Jesus known to us, and then make Jesus known through us. Can I encourage you to write that down? The primary role of the Holy Spirit is to make Jesus known to you and then make Jesus known through you, which means there is only one thing the Holy Spirit will get behind, elevating and magnifying the life and person of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's work is not about magnifying me, which means we need to be careful. And I just wanna pick on this for a second. I wanna save the majority of this for next week. But we need to be careful when we approach the gifts of the Spirit that we're not falling into this rut that I see a lot of Christians fall into where as they, as they experience and show the gifts of the Spirit through their life, what happens is a lot of that magnification comes to them. And if we're not careful, it's like, hey, look at what God's doing through me. Hey, look at me, look at me, look at what I'm doing. Look at how these gifts are working in and through my life, to which I wanna remind all of us once again, no, 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 the primary role of the Holy Spirit is not to magnify me, it's not to magnify you, it's to magnify Jesus to us and through us. 
And if we get that wrong, it's going to send us down a path that ultimately, if we're not careful, will actually take more attention away from Jesus instead of bringing more attention to him. The work of the Holy Spirit is not about magnifying you and me. It's about allowing Jesus to work in and through us. And since his primary role is to magnify the life of Jesus when he enters into us, his primary role is to magnify Jesus through us. And so let me say this. Don't let anyone more charismatic than you convince you. And I'm not picking on charismatic people. We've got a lot of charismatic people that come to this church. I consider consider myself charismatic at times. But don't let anyone more charismatic than you convince you that being filled with the Spirit is only, and let me, let me highlight that word, that being filled with the Spirit is only some hyper-spiritual moment where supernatural or even strange things take place. I fully believe that supernatural things take place through the Holy Spirit, but can I say this? Listen to me. Please listen to me. Sometimes, oftentimes, Maybe even most of the time, the greatest works of the Spirit are not something to be seen, but it is the ongoing deconstruction and reconstruction of our souls to bring on more of the image of Jesus. It is, it is the work that's happening underneath the radar, listen to me, right now, that nobody can see. Some of you are feeling it, but that nobody can see. It is the slow, methodical, over an extended period of time, deconstruction and reconstruction of our heart, mind, and soul to bring about more of the image of Jesus through our life. It is the slow, consistent chiseling away of our heart of stone, making it a heart of flesh so that we can resemble and magnify the life and the love of Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that at times the Holy Spirit won't just like ambush you. Anybody ever felt ambushed? By the Holy Spirit, like I'm serious. It's like you came, came in here one Sunday and you're expecting maybe just to kind of nonchalantly sing a couple songs, not really get that into it. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's open wide. And I, like, I'm not joking. I, you, like, I'm, it sounds like I'm being silly. I'm not joking where I just get wrecked by the Holy Spirit. Anybody else ever had this? Just an ambush. If you haven't had a good Holy Spirit ambushing, I would pray for it. Because it can be, it's a reminder of what he's doing, right? I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't even asking for it. And maybe sometimes if, if we're all honest, we would have to admit that we come in here sometimes almost closing off, like there's a mechanism in our heart, kind of closing off what the Holy Spirit could do that day. And all of a sudden that mechanism opens up and I am a wreck. You want to know why we turn the music up so loud in here? Because nobody wants to hear your ugly, crying, singing voice, right? Have you ever heard you singing when you're crying? It sounds horrible. It's our philosophy. (laughs) I love, listen, I love being wrecked by the Holy Spirit. And, And maybe you can identify with this. There are times when that happens, and for me, most of the time it's in worship, and I just feel God's mercy and his grace and his love and forgiveness like I'm experiencing it for the first time again. And the best way I've been thinking about it this, this week, the best way I think I can explain that is I feel helpless, but also full of hope at the same time. You ever felt this? Just being wrecked by a movement, by an ambushing of the Holy Spirit. Guys, I hope 
that we know that the supernatural work of the Spirit is, is working right now. You need to know that. Sometimes we think of it of just what we can see, but I would tell you that right now, listen to me, the presence of a living God is moving and working in supernatural ways in this room right now. Someone right now is experiencing some kind of conviction and it probably doesn't even have anything to do with what I'm saying this morning, but, but God in the spirit is, is convicting you right now to confess a secret sin. And you've been feeling it ever since you walked in here. For others, it may be a husband that's like, hey, you need to step up and you need to, to start treating your wife the way that Christ treated the church. You need to step up when it comes to what it means to, to surrender. For others, it could be that God is reminding you to stay in the fight against the addiction. Nobody else knows about it, but to stay in the fight against the addiction and reminding you you're not isolated in this struggle. You're not isolated in this fight. I am with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. I'm not gonna leave you as an orphan. I'm with you on this. The work of the Holy Spirit is at work in here every single week. And I pray that we would come in here more with an invitation for that to happen. Come with expectations and an invitation for, for God to have his way with us and for the Holy Spirit to fall in this place and to move in powerful ways. I pray, that, I pray for a day that more of you honestly would show up early on a Sunday and just walk through the aisles of these seats and pray over them knowing that somebody could have a breakthrough today. I pray that we would come in here with greater expectations and invitations for the Spirit of God to do something in us. Do you know, listen to me, I can say this, I can say this with a promise every single week the Holy Spirit wants something for you. Every week, He wants something for you. And I don't know what you need to do to open up that little mechanism that sometimes we close. If that's opening yourself more in worship and inviting the Spirit of God to come and wreck you, I don't know if it's saying a prayer before you get here. I don't know if it's being reminded that maybe God wants to use you today. You see, sometimes what happens, church, if we're not careful, especially for those of us that are seasoned Christians and we've been coming in here for a long time and if we're not careful, what we have a tendency to do is we come in here with a spirit of criticism because you've been doing the church thing for a long time. This might be the 10th church you've been in in your life. And so you start kind of comparing this church to maybe other churches or you start looking at the things that you don't like. Listen to me, I'm the preacher and I don't even like everything about this church. And if you want things to critique, I promise you there's a lot of things to critique. And you come in here maybe and it's like, oh, the music's too loud or I don't like Aaron's holes in his jeans or you know, the, the projectors aren't working again, they're flickering. It's like, yeah, why don't you start giving and we'll buy new projectors, right? Full circle to what Josiah said earlier. Microphone wasn't working last service. If you, need a, if you need a longer list of things to critique, I'll give you a longer list. There's plenty of things to critique in this church. But let's not come in here with a spirit of criticism. Let's come in here with a spirit of invitation. And if we're not careful too, man, we come in here and we just seek information and we forget about the transformation that God wants for each of us. Like, can I caution some of you that maybe have been doing this for a while and you come in here and it's like, hey, just teach me something new about the Bible. Listen, I'm gonna teach you from God's word. That's like, that, this church is founded on the word of God. But 
what if instead of just coming in here seeking some new information, you came in here with an invitation of, God, would you use me today? Maybe I don't get anything out of the sermon today. Would you just, God, would you use me? Father, would you help me to see that my voice could make a difference in somebody else's life, that those people that are far from God, and man, can I, let me just back up and say this. Church, it, <clears throat> If you got to hear the amount of stories that I get to hear about the kind of pain that walks through those doors every single Sunday, I think you would come in here with a different approach. And for those of you that know a lot about God's word already, and you, some of you have heard me say this, like, I don't care if you learn anything else until you share what you know with someone else. I don't care if you learn anything else until you share what you know with someone else. And again, I understand the sentiment at times where somebody comes in here and it's like, we just want to go deeper. We just want to go deeper. And I almost feel like I need to say that as if you're a baby. I think of Paul, you know, using this illustration of me. I say, I just want to go deeper. You need a little bit more food? Let me give you a little bit more food. Okay. It's like, Aaron, you're belittling us. Maybe. Maybe. Because if you really want to go deeper, listen to me. If you really want to go deeper and that's the true sentiment that you have, then just be available for somebody else that doesn't know Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit use what you already know and join and lock arms with Jesus who said, I'll leave 99 of you and I'll go after that one person that doesn't know me yet. And to an outside kind of unbelieving world and maybe to the outside ear that doesn't even understand the context of that passage, I understand, man, that's probably kind of hard to fathom, isn't it? Wait, 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 wait. Jesus would leave 99 people that already love him to go after somebody that doesn't even love him? Yeah. And for, and again, I'm picking on you a little bit, I get it. For those of you that may have been coming in here with a little bit more of a spirit of criticism, you probably don't care about that as much until that one person is somebody you love. Like, you probably start to make this a little bit too much about you and what you're getting out of it, right? We all have this tendency to consume. You probably get too caught up in that. And so if that's potentially you, can I, I'm gonna ask you one question, maybe a couple questions. When's the last time you invited somebody here? Because I'll tell you who doesn't make those statements or who doesn't make those remarks are people that have been inviting their friends and their family and their coworkers and strangers to come here and then they see the power of God, the Holy Spirit move in that person's life and that person experiences a breakthrough and they're like, let's do it again. Let's lock arms with the Holy Spirit again. Let's go after the one because they've experienced it. They've seen it. They've seen what God can do. And so I'll get off my horse here for a second and just say one more thing. If that happens to be you and you've been coming in here with a spirit of criticism, have you invited anybody recently? Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to use you in what you already know to go and share it with somebody else so maybe they get to experience the same kind of breakthrough and salvation that you have? I don't have no, any idea where I'm at with my notes. I didn't even plan on saying any of that stuff. Let me show you something that Peter said in 1 Peter 4. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything, everybody say everything. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Christ Jesus. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. 
Church, this was never supposed to be a room full of consumers. And America kind of plants that in us, doesn't it? To where it's like, hey, I I feel like this should be about me and what can I get from this and what can I take from this? I want Trace Church to be full of worshipers. I want Trace Church to be full of people that understand the power of the Holy Spirit and the significance of what he wants to do in here every single week, broadly among all of us, but in your life specifically as well. That we would come with a spirit of invitation for him to have his way with us to fall afresh on us. And so if maybe that's a sentiment that you've shared from time to time where it's just like, we wanna go deeper. Listen, I get it, I want you to go deeper. But the deepest the deepest approach you can take to your faith of experiencing something more deeply is just allow the Holy Spirit to use you in what you already know. Let me show you something. Actually, before I show you that next verse, don't put that up there yet. Some people get this wrong. Instead of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures. And you actually start worshiping information Now, don't get me wrong, we love the word of God and we're always gonna teach the word of God here. But some people get that backwards. And here's what you need to know, and I wanna show you what Jesus says on this as well as the Apostle Paul. If you get that wrong and it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Scriptures instead of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, then you will start worshiping information and it will only be the Spirit of God that actually illuminates for you the Word of God. Let me say that differently. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and shows you what that looks like to become the works of God. I'll show you how Jesus says this. In John chapter 14, he says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. The apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them, here it is, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and shows us how that becomes the works of God through our lives. It is possible to approach the Bible with just this sentiment and this perspective of, I just want to learn everything that I can. But if that information doesn't lead to transformation, not only in your life, but somebody else's life, then you've got that backwards. And maybe for you, it's, been, it's become God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures. Please be careful if that represents you today. Recently, I heard uh, someone give a boat illustration um, on how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, and I thought it was really good. I wanna share it with you. She said that some people approach the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit like a rowboat, and instead of inviting the power and the presence of the Spirit of God to work through us, we're just do, trying to do all the work ourselves. Man, just rowing and rowing and rowing. Like, it's all on me. I gotta do this. Like, if, it, if it's not me, it's not gonna happen. And then other people are like, a, like being on a raft, just kind of aimlessly floating down the river as if they don't need to do anything that God will do at all for them. But we're called to be more like sailors on a sailboat where we look at our surroundings, we know where we're going, but we find the wind and we set our sails and we capture the power of the wind to get us to where God ultimately wants us to go. Trace, I want us to be a church that catches the wind. You can't always see it, 
but you can see its effects. You can't contain it, but I believe as a church, if we'll open ourselves more up to it, we can catch it, which is why we've put the subtitle underneath this entire series as Catch the Wind. I pray that we would be that kind of church, not a church that consumes, but a church that deeply desires to catch the wind. I don't wanna simply rely on big buildings and best practices and strategic plans, even though those things have their place. I want us as a church to catch the wind. Let's not make the same mistake so many Christians make showing up in their churches on Sunday just seeking more information. But instead, let's come every single Sunday with an invitation for the spirit of the living God to stir something so deeply within our souls that we can't help but act. And if we fail to acknowledge this, please hear me. If we fail to acknowledge and embrace and invite the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are removing a huge part of the arsenal that God has given us to fight the enemy. And do you know that we've got a fight in front of us? Do we all get that? That we've got a fight in front of us? And to remove the role of the Holy Spirit, not even removing, but even kind of closing off that mechanism like I talked about, that when we do that, we're removing a huge tool in our arsenal to fight the enemy and his tactics and his schemes. It was the role of the Holy Spirit that moved in my life when I was 10 years old at Ridgecrest Camp in the Black Mountains of North Carolina. I still remember it. And I, I remember just feeling wrecked. I remember knowing that I was a sinner and I needed God's grace to, to restore me. And when I was 10 years old, it was because of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life that I gave my life to Jesus. And it was that same spirit 10 years later that met me in a jail cell to remind me that, Aaron, you've gotten off track. I'm not here to heap guilt on you, but this is not what God wants for you. Aaron, God's got something so much better, but you, you gotta come back. You gotta come back and let him guide your life once again. And it was that same spirit that about five years after that convicted me to give up my career path to step away from my career path and actually pursue a life in ministry, full-time ministry. And it was that same spirit about 10 years after that that convicted both Emily and I to plant Trace Church in Colorado Springs because this city wasn't even on our radar. And it will be that same spirit that reminds you that when those people, whoever those people are, are saying all those bad things about you, those people that have made up things about you, It'll be the same spirit that whispers to you. It's not who you are. Let me remind you who you are. You're a son or a daughter of the most high God. That no weapon formed against you will prosper. Let the spirit speak to you. Students, when you're belittled because of your faith, it will be that same spirit who strengthens you to stand firm in the gospel because he's got something better for you. Dads, when you feel that you don't have what it takes and you're second guessing your impact and your influence, it will be that same spirit who reminds you that what you say and what you do matters and you're making a bigger difference than you think. Moms, when you're comparing yourself to other moms or maybe the body of the latest Instagram influencer or just focusing on everything that you're not, 
It'll be that same spirit that reminds you that he doesn't want you to be anybody else that God created you to be who he wanted you to be. And he's got something better for you. It will be the same spirit that tells you over and over to stay the course, even in your doubts. When you find yourself doubting at times and wondering, man, I don't even know if I understand this. I don't even know if I get it. Is it worth it? It'll be the spirit of God whispering to you, stay the course because I've got something for you. I've got a purpose for your life. It will be that same spirit that convicts you. Maybe someone in here today that convicts you of your sin and shows you that you need to repent and turn and give your life to Jesus and open yourself up to him and allow him to become the leader and Lord of your life. And here's my favorite. It'll be that same spirit that's inside of us that allows us one day, when we close our eyes for the very last time, something we all have in common, we will close our eyes one day for the very last time. But for those of us that have invited Jesus to be the leader and Lord of our life, and he has given us the promised Holy Spirit because he's not gonna leave us or forsake us, he's not gonna leave us as orphans. That when you close your eyes for the last time, the spirit of God will give you the power, ready? To open your eyes once again and take your first breath in the presence of Jesus. So until then, let's all invite him to magnify Jesus to us and to magnify Jesus through us. Let me pray. Uh, Father, thank you. Thank you for how clear you are in your word about the work and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, I pray in this moment that we would all kind of have the same posture and invitation for you to have your way with us, that, you are, that your presence and your power through the Holy Spirit would fall afresh on us. I pray for supernatural things to happen in this room today, God. I pray for miracles to happen in this room today. And listen, Father, we don't need to see it but because we know it's true and we know what you're capable of, God, that we would just be a, a people of invitation for the work of your spirit to come and move and powerfully, God, to do what only you can do in and through the lives of the people in this room. And God, I know how you work, so maybe today you're working on somebody's heart and it has nothing to do with anything that has been said. Father, have your way in us. Father, I pray that we would be a people that wouldn't come to consume, but instead a people that would come to cultivate an environment and a culture as a church where we just come and we place our lives before you every single week and just say, use us, God. Use us. Father, I pray that whatever work needs to be done in each of our lives, because it's gonna look a lot of different ways for different people, that whatever work needs to be done when it comes to growing in the role the Holy Spirit has for each of us, God, that we would be open to it this morning. So God, I'm gonna say it once again, have your way in us. Holy Spirit, fall afresh on this place. In Christ's name I pray, amen.